So thought leadership could be that you are deciding to be, you're willing to be a face of this subject. You're willing to put yourself on a platform and um, be seen and be noticed. You're not going to be perfect. You're going to fumble. You're going to flail. It's not going to feel natural. And especially for nonprofit leaders, it's going to probably feel like sometimes a little shameful because all of a sudden you're on the platform. It's not really like that. You're, you're just trying to be a vehicle for the ideas, but it's going to feel like you're trying to seek a spotlight. So that's not a happy feeling for a lot of our folks here in nonprofit land. You're listening to the Nonprofit Problem Solver Podcast, brought to you by KevKayat.com. Kev helps nonprofit leaders deliver more impact faster and easier, so they can be mission accomplished in 40 hours a week or less. For more information, visit KevKayat.com. Because good causes deserve better results. Now... Here is the host of Nonprofit Problem Solver, Kev Kayat. Hello, and welcome to Nonprofit Problem Solver, brought to you by Yachtly, the virtual events platform 100% free to nonprofits, and powered by Pod Pro Audio, making professional podcasting easy. I'm Kev Kayat, and one of the best bits of my job is hosting this show live, week in, week out, every Wednesday at 4 p.m. in the UK, 11 a.m. Eastern Time, and 8 a.m. Pacific, straight to YouTube, LinkedIn, and the Nonprofit Problem Solver Facebook group. Tune in live and fire up the chat, and we'll do our best to include your question in the conversation. We've covered literally dozens of problems since we started, with dozens more on the way. Check out the back catalog on nonprofitproblemsolver.com or your favorite podcast provider, and remember to like, share, and subscribe. The sole purpose of this show is to help people running nonprofits. You are actually the nonprofit problem solver. You are the nonprofit entrepreneur working in your community every day. My guest and I are trying to make your job easier and more effective by sharing practical, tactical expertise that you can act on more or less immediately. You can find further support and resources in the Nonprofit Problem Solver Facebook group. And we have a dedicated club on the Clubhouse audio app where most days you can join live discussions with your nonprofit colleagues and a wide range of experts to get practical, tactical advice on being the best nonprofit entrepreneur you can be. In this episode, I'm joined by my dear friend, Julie Morris, who specializes in building audiences for nonprofits and philanthropic organizations. We start off asking what thought leadership even means and why a nonprofit organization or professional should be interested in being a thought leader or more to the point, being seen as a thought leader. Because that rather is the point. Leading in your field or area of mission isn't something you can do behind closed doors. You've got to get out there using all the tools and platforms available to you. Julie gives us a step-by-step guide to getting started and keeping it going. A big takeaway is that thought leadership isn't about an exclusive club. Any leader can do it and increasingly should. Listen in, jot down those thoughts and ideas swirling in your head, and get ready to record yourself on your phone. Cool. 
Welcome, everyone, to Nonprofit Problem Solver, episode 55. We're going to be speaking to Julie Morris all about thought leadership for nonprofits. Before we jump right into that, let me just say thank you to my sponsor, Yachtme, the virtual events platform, 100% free to nonprofits, and PodPro Audio, making professional podcasting easy. Okay, so we are live on LinkedIn, Facebook, and YouTube. If you're watching live, you want to throw a comment in the usual place, uh, we will pick it up on this end, and we will try to incorporate it into our conversation. If, however, you're watching at a later point, also uh, feel free to drop in a comment, tag either Julie or myself, and we will do our best to respond. Let's keep the conversation going. So with that, welcome, Julie. How are you? I'm well. Great to see you, Kev. Yeah, nice to see you too. I've been looking forward to this topic because I know we can we could go into this in, in great detail. So the yeah. question here is, how can nonprofits be thought leaders? And implicit in that is that thought leadership is understood, that it's good, <laughs> that it's valuable. So Indeed. I think we have a bit of unpacking here to do before we get to the how. Um, so let's let's just start at really, really basics. What how do you define thought leadership? We see it in so many LinkedIn profiles and so yes, on, but it's not the I think, therefore I lead. So what, what is what is thought leadership actually mean? You know, the definition is probably one of the most hotly contested. I mean, if you ask 10 people, you'll get 10 definitions. So instead of thinking about maybe what that definition is, maybe we could talk about what it looks like and then people yeah, can then connect it pretty easily to their own experience. But okay. if let's say I'm a nonprofit leader, let's say that I'm trying to consider what I can do to communicate our, our mission, but I'm seeing that what we're communicating through the brand or through the nonprofit doesn't really seem to be getting a lot of results. So um, I could think to myself, well, I have, I have my way of communicating. So I'm going to just talk about it. I'm the leader. People want to hear from the leader. So I'm going to use my own words. I'm going to use um, my background, my experiences, my passion but for this to the topic, the subject. And I'm going to take all that and I'm just going to start talking. And it's not going to be perfect, but I'm going to start writing. I'm going to start speaking. Um, and I'm going to start sharing from the heart on why this is critical, on why people need to take notice of our work, but um, notice the topic in general. Um, and so it kind of looks like that. So thought leadership could be that you are deciding to be, um, you're willing to be a face of this subject. You're willing to put yourself on a platform and um, be seen and be noticed. You're not going to be perfect. You're going to fumble. You're going to flail. It's not right. going to feel natural. And especially for nonprofit leaders, it's going to probably feel like sometimes a little shameful because all of a sudden you're on the platform. It's not really like that. You're, you're just trying to be a vehicle for the ideas, but it's going to feel like you're trying to seek a spotlight. So that's not a happy feeling for a lot of our folks here in nonprofit land. Right. Okay. So there's a lot. There's, there's lots a lot there. there. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so let's get into it. Okay. Uh, so the, the, the writing or the speaking yes. that a nonprofit leader is doing mm -hmm is about what? Is it about their experience of being a leader? Is it about the field in which their nonprofit operates? For example, homelessness or domestic violence or uh, children's literacy? Is it about that? Or, 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 or could it be any of those things? Most often, when you're thinking about, you know, the very tactical 
aspects of thought leadership as an organization leader. You are expected to talk about things that are relevant to both you, but also to the organization you lead. Very often, we're not that disconnected from our work. A lot of us are here because it's a deep passion of ours for a lot of reasons, right? So we'll we'll pull that in very often. And occasionally, you'll see a little bit... Um, you know, tangential, whether it's your family or your personal life or, you know, some cross sector kind of interests, interests and things of that nature. But a lot of it does have to do with your mission. OK, yeah, but that makes more sense. I just wanted to to clarify, because otherwise, as you mm -hmm. said, it may be uncomfortable being in the spotlight. But if someone's speaking entirely about their own experience as a yes. leader, they may not be too shy about the spotlight. <laughs> and that's really, as you said, it's not really about them personally. It's about the it's about leading thought rather than rather than um, projecting their own their own personal brand. But it's tied up to with their personal brand to a yes, certain is. extent, isn't it? It is. And very often we just need to get people to start. And starting will feel unnatural regardless of what you're talking about. And so, you know, if we're thinking about a thought leader with really no foundation just yet. And it's at the very beginning of that journey. I don't care what you talk about almost because you just need to get used to saying something and whatever that go-to thing is that you're comfortable about. I don't care if it is your golden retriever, just, <laughs> just start opening up and connecting with people and being you. And very quickly that refines into um, what they perceive and see as their opportunity to really start putting their mission in there. And, you know, again, we can connect that personal brand aspect, but putting their mission out there to really help their nonprofit success. So, so I can see a, I can see a couple of conflicts here. Uh, one, we mentioned personal brand, which is another uh, buzzword like yeah. thought leadership. Yeah. Ask 10 people, you'll get 10 different versions of what yes. personal branding means. But from the organization's perspective, if the executive director is out there talking about the the mission and the role that the organization plays in fulfilling it and so on then as you know as, as another person another employee or a volunteer or a board member or the board chair or president yes i'm probably pretty happy with that yes. but if i feel that the person may be pushing his or her own agenda or personal brand and like where does that line exist between the you know rep, the person's being the face of the organization and then leading on elements of of thought, particularly, as you said, it's so messy and it's it's unscripted mm -hmm. often and it's yes. from the heart and it's in yes. it's sincere. And so therefore, it's personal rather than sort of corporate, I guess, for lack of a better term. It is. It is not very often like if we're thinking about what can go wrong with um, exec, you know, like with the senior team putting themselves out there trying to build a thought leadership platform, it is perhaps, a, you know, maybe 10, 15% of the time where it's like, whoa, this was, this was really off. But um, <laughs> it doesn't generally stay that way. Um, there are, after someone puts something out there and they see how an audience reacts or doesn't react, and that's enough of a reaction, right? Um, right. They will self-correct. They will find that place of going, well, that didn't hit, or someone said something to me, or... Um, they grow up a little, right? Like, I think the mistake you just shared, it's like, it's inevitable at some point, but it's also kind of one of those baby steps that you eventually walk through and walk out. And so one of the things that we talk a lot about with folks that are new to this idea and uncomfortable with this idea is you have to have people to follow. Um, for some, you know, if I'm 
in venture capital or if I'm in nonprofit, like find people in your sector that you admire, that you see that they're intentionally trying to build that platform and they're Mm -hmm. putting out um, language that you admire. They're not being icky about it. You know, it looks genuine. It looks thoughtful. It looks helpful to the field. Follow like three of those people and just watch how they do it. Um, and they can pick up on tone. They can pick up on the good boundary lines to have. And it's not so mysterious after you see some good examples and get comfortable doing it. But yeah, occasionally, you know, someone on your board has, someone has to be willing to go, Hey, I saw what you wrote. Probably didn't need to be said that way. Like having an accountability person, especially if you don't have someone external that you've brought on to work, you know, um, you see this a lot more in like the corporate side, they will have a communications person assigned to you. It's generally from an agency and they are working with you to craft words in the nonprofit sector. We probably don't have that kind of capacity. So, um, grab someone on your development side and say, Hey, I'm going to do this. Can you keep an eye on me? Right. Right. But what, what's interesting, I think, there you're referring to this notion of self-correction, yeah. where really you're doing, you're, you're doing a very human thing yes. in getting out and interacting with people using all the digital technologies and the platforms, of course, but doing that, treating it as a, as a very human endeavor, it can be raw. It's got to be almost as though you were speaking to someone in person. Yes. And often it may take that form. That's great. Uh, and so it's not going to be perfect. And, and, and we're basically saying go about this with some grace and allowances that yes. it's, it's, it's not going to be, per- it's not super scripted, super polished. Yes. That's just, it, we're, we're not doing this mistake free ad campaign. Correct. We're talking about being very human and real and genuine and sincere and making connections of that kind. Yes. Yes, we are. And I think you hit on a really valuable part of it, and that's connections. It's really yeah, that's got to be. It seems that. to me the objective. Yes. So what, you know, we're not doing thought lead. I was so this is well, the next question I was going to cover is like, why would we do thought leadership? What value yes. does it bring? I mean, why shouldn't we just be out fundraising or perfecting our programs and and optimizing our impact and uh, you know digging deep into our CRMs for uh, that next segment in you know, for the end of year. Campaign. I don't disagree with Instead. any of those ideas, right? But yeah, I hear you. I hear you. So, well, let me ask you this. Um, what does it look like to fundraise now? I mean, like uh, when we think about what does it look like? Connections based. Yeah, certainly. It's connection based, right? And it's virtual, and, you know, more yeah. often than not. And it's done with a heartfelt, thoughtful, intentional plea and call to action. It's casting vision. It's doing all of those things that fundraising does. It's just doing it from the senior team platform rather than only from that brand platform. So, I mean, it's all, it's really kind of there anyway, but as I was thinking about today and I was thinking about like, what is the one thing that I wish people could get from this? And that is, you know, to the point of what your podcast is titled nonprofit problem solver. To me, thought leadership is one of the ultimate tools in your toolbox for, you know, anything marketing and development. This is the nonprofit problem solver. And it just is a new spin on one of the, you know, one of those tools that's just been kind of sitting there, but it's a little risky, perhaps it feels a little risky, but if you just put some, you know, some good guidelines around it, it can be an incredibly tremendously effective way to solve 
some distinct problems like development, like fundraising, like connection um, building and network building. Um, it's just that powerful. And I can give an anecdote if it would be helpful here. Yeah. All right. So got to connect with um, a large national funder talking about um, what thought leadership means to them. What does it what does it do for them as a funder when they're um, considering who to invest in? And um, I brought up uh, this one particular organization. They have a podcast. And I said, you know, if you had to pick between someone with a podcast and without just it, it's very base. You know, if that's the only qualifier that was there, she said, oh, single criteria, single criteria. That's all there is. There are no other elements. Right. But from that single criteria, she said, that's the direction things are going. And it's an easier sell to my board. If I bring them this organization who does work to put out best practices, to share what they know, to um, to be current in this manner of communication, this is obviously the easier sell. And so yeah. when we, that is a element of thought leadership is look, you know, a podcast is a vehicle for that. So, 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 what, so we'll get into some of the hows in, in, in a minute, um, yeah. just sort of like rounding off this reason why you do it. I think, I think um, the way I, the way I would sort of summarize what I think you said, mm -hmm. and you tell me if I've got this wrong, is that if you are prepared to put yourself out there as a leader mm -hmm. and use the digital platforms and, and so on, whether it's podcasting or what have you, uh, and and make those human connections purely yeah. in pursuit of the the mission, the information, pushing the ideas around that you are finding out in your work and discovering yes. in the area of nonprofit work that you do. It has a a positive benefit for your fundraising, even if you're not directly fundraising when you do your thought leadership stuff. Yep. Uh, it, it has a benefit on uh, your board exposure, bringing people into your board, even though that's what you're not specifically doing yep. when you're doing thought leadership. Uh, it builds partnerships in your in your community. Uh, it builds your your marketing brand, even though you are not directly marketing. So all the things that yes. you want to do, this is sort of a glue that or sort of must a catalyst for them in some ways unwit unwittingly, because yes, it's, not, it it's not your primary objective. Correct. But it seems yeah. to me that your primary objective mm -hmm. is around building your community and making those connections and just sort of yeah. spreading the word. Spreading the word. I love that. You're really great at boiling down long-winded discussions. So, um, and I'll throw one other added benefit in there. You may be at your organization for a long period of time, right? Like, but you also may have future aspirations. You may want to write a book. You may want to advance to a next level of where you're going to be doing your work, right? So it will help you significantly. It really will. I mean, if if I'm a recruiter, if I'm um, out there looking for our next CEO or ED, you know for sure I'm going to be looking to see how well they leverage their influence. It's, it's pretty critical nowadays. So um, I have a feeling if you're in a nonprofit executive training program, or if certainly on the corporate side, they are teaching you how to leverage your personal brand. They're teaching you how to start from the very beginning, like from day one of whatever work you're doing, like you graduate, you start building your personal brand. It's right. that, it's that important. And so we don't, we don't want to wait anymore. 
to start doing this. It doesn't matter what space you're in. It doesn't matter what your aspirations are. It will be an asset to you. It will be an invaluable asset to you um, for whatever you're going to do next and help you to get there anyway, because the more people see your work and see the passion for what you do and see how you articulate your mission, um, that they are looking for people. So I'll pause there and just say, does that make no, sense? No, I think that's great. Cause what I was going to get into was the, the, the sort of final barrier, I think psychological uh, yeah. barrier for people who are current nonprofit leaders and who've been toying with the idea of thought leadership or personal branding, they may mm-hmm. already play this role as the face of their organization. Right. But how do, how do you, how do they reconcile the, the apparent division, distinction, possibly tension between thought leadership on behalf of the organization and its mission versus yeah. personal brand? And based on what you're saying, they're not really in conflict, but people can, it, it, it's, it's not, crazy to presume that they are is it it's not and a lot of it i think comes down rather than you know the outward expression it's the inner motivation you know whatever you go and you say more about that it's it's less the outward expression than the inner motivation yeah because i think again that points to the sort of this where people are psychologically you really want to put yourself out there however prepared you are to go through the ickiness of doing it if you're uncomfortable yes. and is getting used to that, that you, you still have to believe that it is important for your organization and not just for yourself, right? Yes, yes you do. Um, there's not really an, an easy way to sit down and very quickly do a, a big shift in someone's perspective and mindset about this. And so generally we say you have to start before you're comfortable with it, but understanding what your objectives really are. If you have top, you know, three top objectives and number one might be, um, I really want to make a difference. I want to shift culture in this, in this area that I care about a lot. And a big way we do that, of course, is by communicating about the things. So, but my next one might be, I, I want to help my organization do some, some real, all the things that we need to do on the development side. Right. And then number three is I want to write a book one day, maybe, Maybe. And so if you keep your objectives in line, if you're able to look at those fairly consistently until they are just cemented in your brain, it helps push down anything that does feel disingenuous. Um, It helps you stay on track for when you start to write that day. It helps you just remember your why. Remembering your why is important. And um it's nice because with this, you know, it, it helps us really identify the people that give a darn um, in their space because yeah. it does come through. It does. But even if it doesn't feel like it does, but you deep down, you have it in you. It's just an unpracticed area. The more you set about doing it and the more you watch people who do it well, you get good at it. So, And, and, and is it fair to say in a general sense mm-hmm. that the extent to which leaders are prepared to be the face of their organization and yeah. and lead in thought and get out there on the platforms uh, is clearly part of their personal brand. They're going to put it on their resume, stuff that they're prepared and able and willing to do this, but they're doing it on behalf of their organization. So it's just a, it's in a sense, a public facing exposed, if you will, way yeah. of doing their job. It really is. It really is. And, you know, you can tell me all day long that you care about, you know, cross sector 
innovation and solutions to problems. You can tell me all day long that you want to move the needle in your town, in your community, and you want to build consensus. But and if you're 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 skipping this part, you're you're just leaving some major untapped grounds because the conversations are happening with or without you. I mean, people are already doing this and your voice really does need to be heard. Well, so, I mean, and social change is not restricted to your own organizational boundaries. Absolutely. So, you know, I mean, you've heard me say this over, over and over again as a nonprofit's our team sport. And that applies both yes. within your organization and within your communities and building those partnerships. And so on the organizational lines, you, in a sense, want to fade away. You don't really, you know, it's not that we don't care about them, but they're not the defining feature of how we make our changes. They're not, but, you know, I want to hear what's going on with your organization. If you don't talk about it ever, I'm confused. You know, I want to hear. What, hey, what, what I mean is you're, you're building yeah. bridges with other organizations. If you're oh, to your goodness. point, if you're not sharing that, yeah. you know, you're not building, you know, participating in those conversations. As you said, you're missing things out. You are. OK, great. All right. So now we've got somebody who is geared up to do it. It only took us 21 minutes to get there, but we got so There's a lot of foundation to cover here. Skip the rest <laughs> if you had to, but that was. Okay. So, okay. so much for it. Now we've got the why. Yes. Um, we've got some ideas of what our objectives are. I, I don't think we need to get in deep into sort of metrics or, you know, how we know that we're successful. Um, uh, but let's think then about the how. So if, sure. if, if I'm a nonprofit leader and uh, I'm, I'm, I've, I've got, real passion about my area and I've got some expertise and so on. I say, um, I'm really interested, Julie, or my board has told me that I should be really interested in yes. <laughs> being a thought leader. What, awesome. Where do I start? What do I do? Think about where you are comfortable already, where you are most comfortable. Um, for a lot of folks, they like the idea of writing, but do they do it? No. No, because it's very time consuming for a lot of folks to sit down and actually conceptually develop and refine. And it's still just challenging for them. Um, for others, you know, they would rather do kind of like what we're doing right now. Just sit down and talk to a friend and discuss things that they like to talk about. If that's if that's easier, just think about what what are you comfortable doing to express the ideas that you have? So um, let's say. You've got that figured out. Well, what's next? It's thinking about where you like to spend time online. So we're just going to do it. It's, you know, most high level sense and thinking about the digital world that we live in right now. Um, you can write a book, but writing, you know, that's later. That's after you've been writing um, and being seen a lot online already. Right. So but we'll come back to that piece because it's important. But let's think about social media. Where do you like to be? If you hate Instagram, don't think about Instagram right now. If you do not, you know, whatever social platforms you actually would instinctively go to when you had a spare minute, start there and just start thinking about what it is that you are really good at, what it is you really care about. And um, how can you then take some of the ideas in your mind and put them out there? So writing a little bit every week, even for people who don't like to write, is a good habitual exercise to start, right? Um, speaking and just putting something on the calendar, something very simple, just like this, um, a video that you upload, um, a five-minute conversation, or just you speaking into your phone for five minutes and uploading that video once a week. Just really 
basic little tiny micro goals to get you started doing something. So what do you think of micro goals? Yeah, that's a great place to start. For some people, though, a five-minute video in their phone once a week doesn't sound micro at all. <laughs> ah, thank you. That's good feedback. Okay, so what if it were once a month? Does is well, it? I don't think it's the frequency. I, I don't think it's, it's the frequency. Speaking. Yeah. It's so much of saying, you know, I don't feel comfortable seeing my face on. I think people with Zoom, are, you know, and on all the calls that people have been doing are a bit more comfortable with. Yeah, absolutely. With seeing themselves on video now. Yes, it's easier now. Uh, and and obviously the technology's moved on the social media platforms yep. every platform uh accepts all the algorithms actually promote videos more they than do. anything else yes uh so i think people are that is probably a barrier that no matter where you are you're going to have to break aren't you you're going to have to you really are going to have to break it between now and i mean give yourself some time give it like a month of just going okay i got to get my head around this i have to just start recording you know if i like speaking more than writing i'm going to record just for me just for myself, just to get used to that first half of the process. So let, just, me, let me ask you this. Yeah, please. How, how much of it should be scripted? How much oh, of, huh. this is, this is because we can, accept, we can accept from, again, like our, on our time on, on, on Zoom calls and so on, that we don't mm -hmm. actually need to have super high production values. We don't have to have the brilliantly well-lit studio. You know, you could be up in the top floor of your, of your, of your home with, like I am uh, and, and, and just, just, just get on with it. However, is, is, is it important to have a tightly scripted uh, set of things to say, or should you, is one of the skills that you would recommend learning to speak spontaneously about your topic? That is definitely what I would probably go as level two is really thinking about the content. But um, the opening is important. Having a few bullets of what you want to cover is important. Rehearsing it a couple times for some people is really helpful. Trying to time yourself as you say, OK, I'm, today I'm going to talk about this topic. OK, so then time it, if nothing else. If you won't rehearse it out loud, time it just as as you're thinking through it, like you don't even need to say it, just grab a timer and see how long it takes you to just think through what you want to say. Little exercises like that will help. But having a strong opening is important. Making sure that people know at the beginning, today I want to talk about the reasons why blank is a really significant challenge for blank, but we could actually do blank about it. Something like that. So then people aren't just kind of wondering the whole time as you're talking, what are we talking about? You know, right. um, giving them a reason to stay and then not overly scripting. We know we don't want to sit and watch me read off of a script right now. It might help a little bit because I'm not I'm also getting used to public speaking and to trying to take what's in my brain and put it out there on video. Right. But no, don't overly script it, but just have some foundational bullet points of what you want to cover. Make sure that you're clear on that that flow of information and wrap it up by something thoughtful. If it's not a distinct call to action, like write your Congress people, you know, something like that. Or right. um, let's say, you know, and thinking about the development side of things, if you want people to give to a thing right now, if you're doing fundraising right now, don't talk about it all the time. That's not what this is for. Do it occasionally. Do it maybe half the time, 30% of the time, but not all the time. Um, you're trying to get people to buy into the idea 
they will not give you money unless they want your idea to to succeed right so yeah right okay two two other points there mm -hmm. um i want to i want to draw so one you said about five minutes yeah uh is that is that your recommended length of time for the video to go on to say LinkedIn or or Facebook or YouTube, those are the three platforms we're on at the moment. Would you suggest that those, Great rather question. than trying to get into the 60 seconds or 30 seconds type of sound bites, because people just don't have the attention span these days. They don't, they really don't. But if you're thinking about what's level one, it's very, it's very difficult to be short, to have brevity, to be really effective in a small, short amount of time. So if you're just starting out- You can't out, say a whole lot. Your videos will be a lot longer and that's just, it is what it is. But as you get better, you do want to get shorter. And, uh, but you also want to just see, you know, on a platform like YouTube, if I'm going to take my video and put it on YouTube, which I definitely, well, separate for another time, but you can see when people tune out, you can see how long they stick for. And that's really interesting to know, right. but you know, on LinkedIn, you're probably not going to get that. You're just going to get views. Um, look and see, okay, I did the three videos, which one did seem to get more, you know, more interest. And if anyone engaged around it, short is hard, but with practice, you will get there. So yeah, there's I that, think that old, uh, sorry, I just remember the, um, no, that saying that if you want me to speak for, uh, if you want to speak for an hour, I need five minutes to prepare. Yeah. If you want me to speak to five minutes for five minutes, I need an hour to prepare. <laughs> and it's the it's uh, I think it's it's true, because if you have an hour to just, just to fill time, you just. Yes. Yeah. You can just riff. Um, yeah. But here's here's the, the other point. Uh, mm -hmm. How clear do you need to be about who your audience is? If you're a thought leader, clearly with social media, I mean, we go, you know, we haven't necessarily rehearse all this, but clearly with, with marketing and messages, if you're fundraising or you're marketing, searching for volunteer, whatever it is, your call to yeah. action, it's got to be designed for that audience and you're going on the right platform where your audience is and so on and so forth. Uh, but with this, is it, is it, are those rules still apply the same way? You got to know who your audience is or, or is it just you're just speaking more genuinely like this is what I care about. So I'm not I'm not worried about my audience. I'm worried about what I'm trying to project first. And we'll see if the audience, you know, eventually evolves or emerges. Yes and yes and yes. And yes. So um, <laughs> you probably do not have the audience that you want yet. I mean, even even you and I, it's like we're still learning about who we feel like we can best serve. To some extent, right? It's like we're still building towards new folks we haven't met and we want to meet. So they're not there yet, but we know that they will be. So thinking about if my, you know, six months from now, the number of followers I have has tripled. Um, who do I want those numbers to be? Who do I care about? Who do I want to reach? Who do I want that in, in listening to what I have to say? Um, speak to them speak to that audience that you want to have come find your stuff. And, um, you know, there are things like leveraging hashtags and whatnot, but your audience is a, a thing that is what it is. Um, conversation yesterday with, um, a great organization, they were trying to determine, well, are, 
our audience right now. We just did this audit on social and our audience is not who we really want it to be. They're not our potential clients and customers. And I said, well, that is perfectly okay because the people that come, I have a puppy at the door, Kev. It's so elegant. Thank you. Um, (laughs) The people in our audience does not have to be the people you want to work with inevitably, right? It's like, you may look and go, gosh, there's, you know, truly nobody here I really want to be speaking to, but the people that will work with you, the people that will support you, they will pop over to see what they see, to check, to check out what you're putting out there. And when they do, they might not follow you. They might not have any indication of engagement whatsoever, but when they get there, they need to have that table set for them as it were. Right. So that makes sense. It, it, it does. I think what you're saying is, is go forth anyway. Don't worry about audience to begin with, uh, but learn, learn as you go. And, yeah. and, and it, it does, it does. You mentioned hashtags. It raises that point as well. I think around the algorithms and the manipulation of the, of the platforms around mm-hmm. uh, how much of the audience growth can you really generate with, hashtags and and keywords and and those sorts of things as opposed to just the the content that you're putting out it, it's really the latter yeah. isn't it? it's the quality of the content isn't it mm, and what, yes don't we and want no. to believe it is <laughs> it's it's a little bit of everything right but if you watch how people use hashtags on the respective platforms instagram you know people are much more it seems like instagram will always and forever be a place where hashtags are very important and maybe more important than other platforms on linkedin I think we're still trying to kind of test the waters with those and see how they, how people interact with them, but you use them anyway. And it helps both the platform and its algorithms, but also people can follow a hashtag and see when things pop up. So it's a little bit of both, but on Instagram, I mean, if I put a post out on Instagram, I can see that about, you know, upwards of 30% sometimes of the people who looked at that post came from hashtags. It's not that way on LinkedIn. So it's less. And the, well, the numbers there are a little different to look at, but it's definitely worth grabbing a few that you talk about often. You'll see now on LinkedIn, they have creator mode and there'll be like five, give or take five hashtags and um, terms that you talk about on your platform Mm -hmm. and um, including those in the content you put out is important. Okay, so you need to be need to be clever about it, but you don't you couldn't rely entirely on those things to build a, an audience, could you? you can't retire uh, entirely on anything. You just have to <laughs> just figure right. out what your own personal workflow is. You know, um, just get used to doing you know the, a couple of foundational things, um, and yeah, and and it'll just build from there. So. I hate to get too granular on this because right now it right. really is just about starting and, you know, not getting tripped up on any of the techniques. It's just start. It's build a body of work, build a body of content. It doesn't matter even what it is at this point. You are in your role of leadership for a reason. You were put there for a reason. And now you just need to put what is in your mind out there. So. And uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's really useful. And I think there's, there's certain platforms that are, are better for projecting like you mentioned youtube you know it's a search engine it's a video search engine and you can you can Massive. use it as a platform to put lots and lots of stuff on it's in sense easier than putting it on uh your own website or you could put yes. it on both of course uh what about uh the idea of a podcast so mm-hmm. you know you mentioned that and i also want to hear your views on the audio apps like clubhouse 
yeah. and and those that are they seem to be you know unexpectedly popular in in that there isn't any video on on Clubhouse yes. but yet some people are being have been very successful in building followings uh, on, on the audio app Indeed. So each has its own reasons and usage. But what you do bring up at a higher level is thinking about the overall, like if we're to think about the A to Z of creating content and where it goes and what it does, you don't want to be trying to think about, well, I'm going to throw this onto Instagram and this onto YouTube and I don't really know what to do today and where do I start? That's crazy. No one wants to do that. And it's a big time waster too. So if I'm... If I'm a consultant and I'm just starting off and I don't have a marketing department, I have to be very thoughtful with how I use my time. So have a workflow set up that includes the, the platforms that are important to you. So if, for example, we take a video like today and it lands, we know we're going to put it on YouTube because YouTube creates shareable links. It can embed anywhere and everywhere. And it gives you some fabulous metrics. And so like, let's say you put the full length video there. It also, if you look at any author today, Brene Brown, Simon Sinek, all, you know, any big author, even um, smaller, newer authors, it is a fabulous place to build a library, to build, you know, readership and support. So just sticking it there cannot fail you. And to your point, it's an incredible search platform. Uh, it, it's Google owned, right? It's yeah. For search perfection. So it's fabulous. So it starts there. And then if possible, you want to find some great, like even one great takeaway that you can take out of there using your phone an editing app on your phone, pull out a great clip and you're going to want to take that. And if you have an email list, it's something that goes in your email. It's a, a video embedded in there. Almost every email platform has one. It's what right. you becomes your social media content. You post that small video to your social platforms, um, or you just type out the comment that you liked the most and that's your social media. So creating that workflow to where you know where, where the platforms are gonna get that body of content built and um, where you're gonna show up. You don't have to do it everywhere. If you are never going to interact on Instagram, don't, don't start thinking about Instagram right now. Add it when it makes sense to you and where there's a business case for it or a personal case for it. So, um, but then, yes, so we have our audio platforms. <sighs> there will always be another platform. Always. Yeah. If you like to be there, if you can see that it makes sense for you and you want to give it a shot, give it a shot. See what you can do if you are going to give it a shot to repurpose that content. So today, um, for the clubhouse that you brought up, we're going to record that. And we're going to take that and do a very similar workflow with it because we want people who can't make that discussion time to get to hear some insights from it. Does that make sense? Yeah, 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 sure. it does. Um, so, uh, yes, in summary, use what makes sense. Uh, there will always be another platform, but only use it if it makes sense. You haven't got to try. You'll never get ahead of the curve, really. Uh, and that's that's not that's not so much the point. It's not the point, definitely. Um, but just finding where it's not torture for you to show up. It's not awful <laughs> for you to show You've up. You've got to enjoy and it. Right. You got to have a little bit of fun. Um, some things will be more fun for you than others. But if right. there really is a business case and it's not fun just yet, see what you can do to bring people alongside you to help make it fun. Like people right. to interview, people to talk to. Yeah. But you and I are extroverts, so we love doing this stuff anyway. I don't know not, about not that. Everyone, not everyone is. <laughs> not everyone is. All right. So you bring up a really important point. My husband, business partner, David, he would be 
face down after something like this. Introverts, to, to do an interview like this, he can teach and come alive. He gets on a platform, on a stage, he comes alive. It's incredible. But he may be utterly depleted after a one-on-one phone call like this. Um, figuring out what sucks the life out of you and trying to minimize that lift is important. Know, know where you can best be. So, yeah. And, and again, it's like trial and error. You, you might yeah. think that ideally, you know, this part of your workflow is going to be uh, an essential component. Only you find that you dread it every day or every time you have to do it. And as you said, yeah. it sucks the life out of you. So that's something you've got to omit in that some way and work around. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And, you know, um, the point of this, again, really is to it's to build your brand. And if you hate it, you will not show up there for long. And it will be a platform that looks lifeless and neglected. Like that's not helpful for you or anyone. No. So no, yeah, no. And the algorithms really penalize you too. If you, if you start something and, and yeah. don't follow through, you're not, in, you're not consistent. So no. let's, let's round this off then by um, trying to just summarize what what are reasonable expectations so uh no one's really starting from scratch so you're probably further along than you think you are but if you feel like you're starting from scratch if you were advising someone or or me to just start um getting things out there and I do the the micro goals of five minutes into my phone once a week and I start to build a I put them on uh YouTube and and so on um, and I slowly learn how to manipulate the algorithms in my favor, like using hashtags and, and, and that sort of thing. What's a, what's a reasonable expectation? Cause you, and I want to tie this back to what you said at the beginning around the self-correction, yeah. because we know when we put something out there and we're looking for this human connection, people will respond or they may not. And they yeah. may respond positively. They may respond negatively. Uh, you know, there's, there's other, other ways of responding. What's a reasonable expectation when you start this? Reasonable expectations look like you have a long runway and you make a decision that it does not matter how you feel and it does not matter what you see as immediate results. You're going to do this for six months. No, no one gets anywhere with a half-hearted goal. It will not produce anything for you. You need to just not even think about it like that. This is six going months to minimum. So more like really nine to twelve. Kev, I'm not. I'm going to tell you. You need to start and not stop. <laughs> like forever. Like there's no. Yeah. Part like of your life. <laughs> this is our. This is our. Not just our responsibility. This is our. There's a great. I'm sure that there's some great words for it. But like this is your duty. This is your role. This is built into job descriptions. This is built into successful next things that you do. This is why people. So let's say, you know, going back to this idea of writing a book, if I'm a publisher, no more am I looking for the next star hidden in, you know, the coal and diamond you know i want someone who's diamond in the rough someone someone in the corner of a coffee shop slaving away on their laptop that's that's not who you are that person will not get a book deal anymore there are no book deals for unknown stars you know all that there is is you've been building a platform for a long period of time yes you can stop for summer it's fine but this is your life now 
Right. This is your life now. And if you want to have a great next job, if you want to have a book one day, if you want to have great success in your organization, I cannot be more plain when I say it's not even about what you what. Oh, look, I have success. I, you know, I'm seeing there isn't that. It's just do I want a good do I want to be successful where I'm at right now? Do I want to be successful where I'm at next? I'm going to suck it up and I'm going to put this in my schedule. I'm going to make this a part of my my job description and I'm going to do it and I'm going to be consistent at it. I'm going to do something once a week from here until I take a break over Christmas. And even then it's like, you might get inspired. Please don't see it like, Oh, I need, I need results. It's like, I wish that there were, you will see like things pop up. Hey, I, you know, I'm reaching out because, you know, I saw that you care about this and we here at this huge corporation that just relocated from California to Texas we care about that too. That's the success you're going to start to see. Right. And we want that, right? It's like people say, you need to be on the Ellen show. You just need to go talk to that big car manufacturer corporate office that just landed here. Well, this is how that happens because right. you're putting things out there that connect and resonate and you sound genuine and authentic. And they go, hey, if we're going to do this in the community, why don't we go and do it with them? They obviously do great work they will be a good steward of our influence and our investment. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. Carry on it for, for a long time. So last, last thing I'm going to ask you is, um, are written blogs a thing of the past? Do people bother reading anymore? I love is everything stuff. on video? Um, the reason I yeah. ask is because obviously that would, you, you'd be forgiven for thinking that's the case, but I did see a, uh, a Twitter yeah. thread, um, uh, not long ago uh -huh. complaining about the, dominance of video uh and um and, and people decide saying you know i don't want there's i, I want to read send me the transcript because i just i can read it faster than i can listen to i you. know i know. You know all right so let's talk about this if you have a website and we all do you know either your personal brand has a website or you're thinking about doing one because you know you need to do it or um your organization does what is on that website? Yeah, sometimes there's video. Sometimes we embed video and that's great. But it's the written word. It's how SEO works. It's not fancy secretive coding back end. It's not that. People find you on Google because you write great content and Google knows how to find it. And so the written word is not dead. It will never die. It is just our, I mean, yeah, I may say never and whatever it does 50 years from now. It, that's not the point. Right now, the written word is critical. It will be for at least, you know, the window that I see. Don't stop writing. Someone okay. in your organization. So 500 word blogs are still recommended. If that's, that's what someone short. wants to do. And Sorry. <laughs> that's a little short. So 500 words is not a bad place oh, okay. to start, but you can write for longer and you can piece it out. And um, there's different types of, you know, it depends on what you're trying to solve for. If you're just trying to solve for, Hey, I need to write, then that's a great place to start. If you're trying to solve for SEO, then it needs to be longer and a little bit more built together in like an ecosystem of like, Hey, we write on this topic and then we're going to do, you know, adjacent things that are really supportive of this main idea. So Right, for sure. LinkedIn has a wonderful, so there are LinkedIn articles that we see. Um, write and post, you know, if I'm going to do long form writing once a month, I'm going to take half of it. I'm going to put half on my personal website or half on my organization website. And the other half goes on LinkedIn as an article. So take, write if you can, put someone in your organization on writing if you're not a writer or have them ghost write for you.
Right. Okay. So okay. half on half on the, the first half on LinkedIn or the second half? <laughs> Put what, you know, think about who, what you like to read on LinkedIn. Because what you like to read on LinkedIn is probably a little different than what you like to read on someone's website. So thinking about it in terms of your own personal habits, you are probably not that different than the people you want to attract. What makes you read something? Like at the end of the day, all of this, think about what you do. You know, someone will ask me, when do I send an email? When do you read email? Sometimes it's the middle of the night in places like whatever room of the house, bathroom, kitchen, etc. Think about your habits. Make that a place to start. So think about how long the videos are that you watch. Think about how long the podcasts are that you listen to. Think about what kind of topics you read about and how people pull you in. And when you get bored, when do you tune out? Think about how to eliminate that from your workflow. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Excellent. Lots of great tactical tips there. Okay. Fantastic. Um, I know you've got uh, a um, uh, another appointment to rush off to shortly, so we'll bring this to a close. Lots of fantastic ideas on how to get started with uh, thought leadership, what it actually means, how to do it. Uh, but the key lesson, overarching lesson is do it. It's the do Nike it. rule, right? It is. It is. And you will be so pleased with what you see come out of it. I absolutely can commit to that. Unless you just really try to fail, it will produce good things for you. It is not that hard. No, that's Find people to follow, get inspired, and you will be like, wow, this would have never happened. Like this fantastic opportunity never would have happened if they hadn't seen what I had put out on social the other day. Great. So we had some really positive comments from uh, folks on Facebook. Uh, can you remind everyone, Julie, and I don't think I asked you this at the beginning, actually, where people can find you online? I'm, all, I'm on LinkedIn a ton. Um, follow me there. Thank you. <laughs> okay. All right. Julie Morris on LinkedIn. Okay. Yes. Thanks, everyone. This has been episode 55 uh, mm -hmm. of the Nonprofit Problem Solver. We'll be back next week with uh, John Williams telling us about culture. So hope mm -hmm. to see you then live on LinkedIn, YouTube, and Facebook. See you then, folks. Thanks for listening to the Nonprofit Problem Solver podcast. My guest today was Julie Morris, who encourages you to hunt her down and follow her on LinkedIn. This podcast has been expertly produced by Glenn Munoz at PodPro Audio, making professional podcasting easy. Go to podproaudio.com. You can join future conversations live by visiting nonprofitproblemsolver.com. Connect with Kev on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. For more information, visit kevkayat.com because good causes deserve better results.